It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. Welcome, everybody. Always, always good to have you here. We're going to jump right into it with the quote of the day. A wedding anniversary is the celebration of love, trust, partnership, tolerance, and tenacity. The order varies for any given year by Paul Sweeney. A wedding anniversary is the celebration of love, trust, partnership, tolerance, and tenacity. The order varies for any given year attributed to Paul Sweeney. Hey, if you have a quote and uh, you want to shoot it up to us, if I read it online, not only um, we call it, not only do we read it online, but you also get some swag. Could be a T-shirt, could be my book, could be some other stuff. Uh, we were giving away uh, some Applebee's food, so uh, check us out. We're all over social media. Send us your quote of the day. If we select your quote, you become rich with Money for Lunch swag. All right, let's get this party started. Francis Jackson here on Money for Lunch. Francis Jackson is an attorney who specializes in disability law for those seeking veterans disability benefits as well as Social Security disability benefits. He's a founding partner at Jackson and McNichol. He has been featured on NBC, CBS, ABC, and Fox network affiliates around the country. He's most recently appeared as a guest of Ben Glass on the Consumer Advocate Show, discussing benefits for veterans and Social Security disability benefits, and how his practice allows him to make a difference in the lives of people facing disability. He has been quoted in the USA Today and is listed in Cambridge Who's Who. Mr. Jackson was honored by the National Academy of Bestselling Authors with a Quilly Award in September of 2012 for his contribution as a joint author to the Amazon best-selling book, Protect and Defend, where he wrote about protecting one's rights to veterans' disability compensation. And in 2017, Mr. Jackson was inducted into America's Most Trusted Lawyers for his outstanding work in disability. Francis Jackson, welcome back. Thank you so much, Bert. Always a pleasure to be here with you. You know what? It's always good to have you here as well. I, uh, I, wanted, uh, I wanted to dive into this and, and ask you uh, what is going on or what is being done uh, by the VA to deal with the veterans' suicide uh, or suicides. I think um, the current statistic is that we have like 22 veterans commit suicide every day, something like that. Um, what's uh what's uh, what's going on what do you what have you heard well there's a uh, there's an interesting bill in congress um you may remember senator mccain actually introduced uh, this bill before he died and then it sort of died with him but it's been reintroduced now by a representative from florida and the bill is uh called the veteran over medication and suicide prevention act and what it's what it's intended to do is to try to analyze what is what are some of the underlying factors that lead to this high rate of suicide among veterans. You mentioned the statistic, and what um, what a lot of people don't realize is that the 
suicide rate among veterans is about half again as high as that of non-veterans over the country. And one of the scary parts is that there's a very high rate of suicide is 20% more likely um, among veterans who have a uh, so wait say that again because you cut you kind of cut out uh, suicide you were talking about uh, um, what we call well, it I'm sorry uh, go ahead so just repeat that because it cut out sure the way the way it works Bert is 70% of veterans deaths by suicide involve guns Got and it's that's 20 they are 20% more likely to commit suicide um, involving a gun than non-veterans but the, the the really important one is veterans are three times more likely to die by suicide if they have a gun in the house wow three times that's huge so one of the things that the the bill is aimed at is to try to tease out some of the underlying um, uh, causes, if you will, of uh, of what's going on. So they're supposed to uh, do a, an extended study over a five-year period, looking at the total number of veterans who died by suicide, uh, the numbers who uh, died in ways that may be suicide but aren't necessarily classified as that, you know, the the classic one-car accident where you hit the bridge about right. sort of. Um, and they're supposed to look at the medications that are being prescribed by the VA to those veterans, particularly those um, medications that come with warnings of suicidal ideation. They're supposed to uh, chase down a summary of the diagnoses for the different veterans, um, whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, military sexual drama, um, anxiety, depression, whatever it is, and then sort out um, how many of these veterans who died were taking medications, how many who, were, who died weren't taking medications, um, how the VA decides when to prescribe the medications at issue, uh, how the VA details uh, level of pain that people are in, and they're supposed to look at uh, any particular VA hospitals that have both a high prescription rate and a high rate of suicide among their patients. So it's intended to, to try to see if, if, in part, if VA treatment by medicines is related to the suicide issue and if not, uh, to identify what some of the underlying causes are. So I'm hopeful that uh, this will actually lead to some some long-term improvements. But as you know, uh, as with any study, first, it takes a while to do it. And second, um, once it's done, there's always the question of whether anything will be done with it or whether it will just go on the shelf with other studies that have been done in the past. But it's it's a step, at least, and I, I think it may be a good step. So we'll have to wait and see. Absolutely. No, you know, again, it it, uh, it is a slow um, – it is a slow step, but any step forward is, is uh, as you said, is, is, is good. So, yeah, let's cross our fingers. 
Um, you know, let me ask you this. Uh, is Congress by chance doing anything to help the widows of veterans? Yeah, uh, there's an interesting bill pending. Um, regardless of whether they're veterans, uh, they're widows of veterans who committed suicide or, or any the widows of any veterans, Congress is uh, has, a, has a bill pending, and it looks like it's probably going to pass. It, it's been um, signed by 64 of the uh, members of the Senate, which, as you can appreciate, is more than enough to pass it if they all stick with it. So what it is, the... Um, the, the Department of Defense and the VA provide two different sets of benefits to widows and widowers. And one set is what's called dependency and indemnity compensation, because that's such a mouthful, it gets abbreviated DIC. But what, what that is, is if the spouse, if the veteran spouse dies of a condition that is related to military service, then the VA will pay the um, unmarried or, um, in certain cases, married, but primarily unmarried um, surviving spouse a a benefit that works out to a little under $15,000 a year. And that's in part intended to replace the lost earning power of the deceased spouse, the veteran uh, now deceased. And separately, there is a program called the Survivor's Benefit Plan. And what that does is it allows a military retiree who uh, enrolls to give up to 55% of their retirement pay uh, to their spouse when they die. Now, this is this this program is run by Department of Defense, not by the VA. But the um, the tricky part of it is it requires that any retiree who enrolls has to set aside part of their retirement benefits um, to uh, essentially pay a premium for that program. And so those are the two programs. The tricky part is that if you are entitled to both. What the VA does is to then reduce uh, the amount of the DIC benefit for the amount that's being paid under the um, survivor benefit plan benefit. And so the bill that's currently in Congress would eliminate that offset so that widows could get both the money from the VA and the insurance benefit that their spouse paid for out of the retirement plans, and there wouldn't be any offset. And as I said, um, 65 uh, members of the Senate have, have signed on. Uh, I'm happy to say that Senator Collins from here in Maine is uh, one of the sponsors of the bill, along with uh, Senator Jones from Alabama. And they have uh, asked the uh, chairman of the uh, Armed Services Committee to keep this provision in the defense policy bill that's, uh, that's now being debated. Um, so I'm hopeful that this provision will survive and that widows will get this benefit. As, as you can appreciate, 
trying to live on the DIC benefit of 15000 a year alone is pretty tough in today's economy. And it's it's almost insulting if the service member paid for this additional retirement benefit to go to his spouse and then loses it because uh, or loses a portion of it because of the uh, the DIC benefit. So uh, I'm hopeful that Congress will, will do the right thing here and uh, protect widows and widowers from this offset. Yeah, this is... It is. Uh, it, it, it can be a dizzying experience trying to deal with that. Hey, you're entitled to this, but maybe not. Or yeah. you're entitled to this, but we got to reduce it because you all, you also are getting. It's it's crazy. It's it's sort of a strange setup. Yeah, it is. Um, and, and this is again why sometimes you need somebody to step in like a lawyer who understands benefits and all this complicated stuff because of all of, because it is complicated. I mean, this is not necessarily an easy thing to deal with. So hopefully I was going to say, so hopefully Congress will do the right thing. I'm hopeful. And these, these DIC cases are often very, um, very complicated, you know, proving that someone died of, something connected to their service years later can be quite challenging. And so there, we, we, uh, we helped some, some folks around the country with that. And it's a, uh, those are, those are tough cases sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. Um, speaking of the Congress, uh, how is Congress dealing with airborne hazard exposure for veterans? Well, as you remember, Bert, um, we've, we've talked some in the past about the burn pits that were used in uh, primarily Iraq and Afghanistan. And yes. What would happen is that anything that was beyond salvage or uh, was considered refuse, whether it was uh, human waste or dead animals or um, burned out vehicles or just regular trash was all thrown in these huge burn pits and burned. And the smoke from this stuff, uh, of course, since these were burn pits at service installations, was around uh, those installations and was being inhaled by service members. And so what the Congress has done um, with the, uh, the folks at the VA is to set up what's called the Airborne Hazards and Burn Pit Center of Excellence uh, for the VA. And what that is is intended to do is to set up a uh, clinical research program at the VA's uh, New Jersey War-Related Illness and Injury Study Center to specifically focus on airborne hazards and burn pit exposure. Uh, They started operations a couple months ago now and the intention is to uh, put together the information about people who are exposed. You may recall that Congress has created now a, uh, uh, a, a burn pit registry allowing veterans who uh, think they were exposed to this stuff in the uh, Middle East to sign up 
and their information will be monitored uh, as to any uh, diseases that they develop or uh, you know medical conditions that they develop so that they can put together a kind of a comprehensive assessment of what's happened to these folks that were exposed to this stuff. So, again, this is one of these things that's just in its infancy. As I said, the center only started up in May, but it, uh, again, is a, is a potentially promising thing. I am hopeful that by the time we're 30 years down the road with these folks who were exposed in Afghanistan and Iraq uh, will be head of and will be able to treat them better than we did with the Vietnam folks who were exposed to Agent Orange and who were really still just uh, coming to grips with. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be great um, if uh, that was to happen. So if you are a veteran and you think you were exposed to one of these burn pits and, and possibly suffering from being exposed to one of these burn pits, is there, you said there's a, a place where they can go register? Do you by chance have that information? Actually, you just go online and look up the Airborne Hazards and Open Burn Pit Registry and you can sign up online for it. Great. Um, all right. Yeah, I'm going to find that. I'll put the links. I'll put the link in the show notes uh, to make it that much easier. So good. I'm glad you told me about that. All right. Um, it is is that uh, again talking about this environmental exposure issue? Um, is is that different uh, the way how they're dealing with? Uh, let me rephrase it. So. So the airborne hazard exposure, is that different than the way they're dealing with the environmental exposure issues? Well, potentially it's going to be, Bert. There's a, there's a really important bill in Congress now. I don't know if it's going to pass. Obviously, we'll find out. But um, there's a, a bill called the Occupational and Environmental Transparency Health Act. And as you know, Congress loves these cutesy names, so it, it, it gets abbreviated as oath. The Oath Act. Okay. Um, Occupational Environmental Transparency Health Act. So what that would do is to require that the um, military document any kind of toxic exposure. And frankly, any kind of toxic exposure. You may have seen, for example, on the news recently that um, some military families were living in substandard housing with exposure to mold and so on. Yes. Uh, that, um, that kind of exposure, for example, would be required to be documented as part of a veteran's military uh, medical records so that 30 years from now, if uh, the person has uh, a terrible fungus infection of the lungs, we can look back and see that he was exposed during service to uh, mold or whatever. And and so the, the point I'm trying to make by using the mold example is simply that the idea here is to do a much broader kind of environmental exposure assessment and to record it beyond just uh, the burn pits issue. So we could it could include anything from... Um, 
age, exposure to Agent Orange, fumes from burn pits, chemical foam in firefighting, mold in living quarters. I mean, really any kind of toxic exposure. And I'm sure you can appreciate that the military uses an immense number of chemical substances of various kinds. And so, sure. unfortunately, a lot of them have a potential for toxicity. And even if it's a small percentage, when you expose very large numbers of people, it comes home to bother somebody. So uh, the point of, of this act is simply to require that when folks during their military service are exposed to hazardous chemicals or other uh, environmental hazards, no matter what the kind, no matter what the context, that that will be recorded so that uh, if they need to come back to the VA years later and say, gee, I have this problem with my breathing or whatever it may be, there's a basis in their military records to say, and yes, you know, we, we need to look at the question of whether uh, this particular person was a military firefighter and was exposed to uh, various kinds of hazards uh, that uh, those folks are exposed to in dealing with everything from burning equipment to burning planes to burning buildings. Um, so it's, it's intended to be a much broader net, if you will, than right. the burn industry issue. You know, it almost sounds like it gives you the hope that uh, because you can include all these different hazards that in some cases, maybe it'll expedite stuff, expedite these benefits. Because, you know, I've talked a lot about the blue water sailors and they were exposed to uh, a lot of ancient ancient orange and, and stuff like that when they were working on the airplanes and cleaning the airplanes and stuff like that. So maybe they would have access to this. That's certainly uh, the idea. That's, that's, the, that's the whole notion that, that it would make, it would make these claims much, uh, much simpler and much easier for people to, uh, to get the benefits that they're entitled to in the long term. So uh, we'll have to wait and see if the, uh, if the bill passes, but I, I think it's a it's a very promising piece of legislation for future veterans. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Let's hope it is. All right. So, um, uh, speaking of Agent Orange, Agent Orange, what about the most uh, we call it uh, prominent environmental exposure issues? Uh, uh, you know, obviously Agent. Agent Orange is one of them, and as you mentioned, there's probably some other ones that, uh, because the military does use all sorts of chemicals, uh, is, would, would all of these be able to just uh, theoretically go under this environmental exposure uh, process, and then they don't, and, 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 and therefore maybe not have to worry about going the traditional route then? Well, this is this is really a long-term proposal, Bert. The uh, the notion here is that these things would be recorded in the, the service member's records so that if they later made a claim, there wouldn't be an issue of proving the exposure. That's that's really what this is intended to do. But probably the big issue with regard to 
uh, Agent Orange that's that's come up currently is there's been a, a lot of, um, how best to say this, there's been a lot of difficulty, let's put it that way, in proving exposure to Agent Orange for veterans stationed in Guam. And there have been some significant individual successes in that uh, in that area. Um, we, we had uh, some pretty graphic testimony a couple of years ago from a fellow who was actually in charge of spraying Agent Orange at uh, the, the big base in Guam. But there's been enough pressure on the VA that finally they have uh, asked the Environmental Protection Agency to do a sampling of the uh, of the soil and water around the basis in Guam and that is currently underway. Um, they did the analysis back in uh, 2008, the, the actual sample collection back in 2018. They're doing the analysis now, and it's my understanding that uh, that's expected to be uh, to be released to the public sometime in the next few months. And I think it will show beyond any doubt that there was very significant levels of Agent Orange exposure for people stationed in Guam. The, uh, I mean, if you stop and think about it, it's a tropical climate. Uh, the, the military had all this wonderful stuff from Dow Chemical that would just cut this foliage right back, and, and they used it widely. And Guam right. was one of the places they used it heavily. But to this point, the VA does not concede um, that Agent Orange was used on Guam. So that's why this study is so important. It will, I think, pave the way for lots of uh, lots of these folks to finally get this done. You got you got to love you got to love their uh, their logic. Uh, you know, yes, we sprayed Guam, but that doesn't mean that uh, you know that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean that uh, you were exposed to whatever it was that we sprayed there. Uh, so, um, yeah, the, the, VA's, the VA's official position on Guam is that we didn't actually spray the stuff there. We just shipped it there and then shipped it on to Vietnam. Gotcha. It, it, we got any further, but you know, uh, I don't think that really accords with the facts. I mean, if you if you actually dig into this stuff, there's a very interesting report a number of years ago from um, Dow Chemical raising the question of whether. Um, its uh, its stock was going to be affected by the uh, the potential issue of uh, the use of Agent Orange on Guam and uh, possible uh, related uh, expenses and having to, to pay people who suffered from it and so on. So it's it's not it's not like the people who made this stuff didn't know it was being used there. It's just the VA is not yet willing to officially acknowledge. That uh, that they had it there. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, their position, as you said, it, it was just a stop by. Uh, it wasn't used. It was just there for whatever time until it was put on a different uh, transport to onto Vietnam. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, Francis, as always, I'm grateful for you and your team uh, that uh, stands by our brave men and women to help sort out this craziness 
And if somebody is listening and they want to find out more about their veterans disability benefits, they can go to veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. Also in the show notes, I'm going to put the link to the burn pit registry. Uh, So uh, both uh, the link for veteransbenefit.com and the burn pit registry will be in the show notes. So you guys can just click on there, whether you're on your tablet or your phone or whatever. And as always, Francis, thank you so much for stopping by. and Thank you so much for taking care of our uh, veterans. Well, thank you. I appreciate the chance to uh, talk about these issues and help to get the word out to folks about what they need to do. All righty. Good stuff there from Francis Jackson, one of America's most trusted lawyers when it comes to things like uh, disability work, right? And again, it's veteransbenefits.com, veteransbenefits.com. If you want to reach out to him and his team, they'll be glad to talk to you for free, point you in the right direction, and let you know if they can help you out or how they can help you out. As always, my friends, let's share this episode with everyone you know. Let's help as many people as possible get the word out to our veterans. They have fought for you. They have fought for our country. They deserve to get their benefits. As always, my friends, thank you so much. Remember, you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch. And check out our website at moneyforlunch.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.